Welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about bloggers and podcasters in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and joining me today is Nick McQuick, co-host of the Quick and Slow Comedy Show, where comedians interview comedians about life on the road and the scrapes they get into. Welcome. Howdy doody. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, a source of curiosity-driven stories about the city, powered by the community, and you'll hear more about that later in the show. So, Nick, tell me, I I made up a description of Quick and Slow Comedy Show. How do you describe it? Um, mainly what I do on the podcast is we play fun little games and we just entertain ourselves. Um, I bring on comedians. I like to showcase uh, some of the local talent in Edmonton, the local shows going on, because there's so many cool things happening. A little bit of it is kind of inside baseball, comedians talking about shows we did and how to deal with audiences and just tools that way. Uh, that's actually how the podcast got started was if you ask somebody for advice, you'll get advice tailored for you. But uh-huh. if you bring on somebody who's more experienced in your field and ask them mistakes they've made, you get to learn from their mistakes. So I started the podcast uh, to make myself better at comedy. And once I got to like a, a level in comedy where I wasn't an amateur, where I was making a living off of it, at that point, the the podcast started taking more of a turn now. So we play uh, little dumb games. We do trivia with each other and just uh, we'll we'll bring on character actor or comedians as a character actor uh, pretending that they're the person that invented Pop-Tart flavors. Right. And then we'll <laughs> just do dumb stuff like that. Yeah. It, that's interesting that it started as professional development, though. And, and I would imagine it was, um, what, was it easy to get guests in that case? It, it was. Uh, initially, it was a bit hard starting out because when you start something like that, you don't really have a fan base. You don't have listeners. You have like uh, a couple family members that are raw, raw and a little bit there. But the you bring on people and you you would kind of show them value in it, bring them on, and then their fan base would spill over. So each guest I brought kind of contributed. And eventually I started to sort of, it all started like snowballing and I started getting a following and then I had people contacting me on Twitter going oh you gotta book this person and that person and I'm like I I don't even know what's happening now so nice that that must have been gratifying it it really was yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you're closing in on almost 300 episodes now so you've been at it for a while yes uh, I've been at it for a long time I actually uh, I was a guest on a podcast the movie jerks yes it was my first ever appearance on a podcast and I did that and they really liked it. I had written a whole bunch of jokes and made it very funny and entertaining. And then after that, I had three people approach me to start podcasts with them. Nice. And I was like, okay, but I don't know what we're going to... And nobody... It's weird because everybody sees the success of a podcast and they see the success of a person and they just want to emulate that. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the struggle and all of that. <laughs> and I kind of knew it would be because audio equipment does not grow on trees. Right. So yeah. is that... What is What are the struggles? Oh, the struggles of starting a podcast. I... I didn't want to do something bad. I didn't want it to be unlistenable. I didn't want, like, let's record it on an iPhone or something. I knew that the the quality had to be good because if it's not good, then people aren't going to listen. So we went, we bought a soundboard uh, that was ridiculous very expensive we bought six microphones like 300 feet of cable uh we built a table 
for everything to sit on. We went and bought a whole bunch of chairs, soundproofing, and yeah, it it was a big big struggle to figure out. We uh, licensed some software that we used to record, and just tried to do everything above board. And yeah, it was a big hit initially. Yeah. So when you make that big of an investment. Does it sort of have the effect of, I guess we better do this every week because we've <laughs> sunk a lot of money into it? Yeah, exactly. You feel obligated at that point. And that was the kind of thing. I knew that a lot of uh, the people in like arts and comedy and everything are a bit flaky. They'll, they'll kind of, they'll get one toe in and they'll want to do it, but they won't see the initial success. So they'll stop. Yeah. So this was sort of my way of going like, no, we're getting in it and we're going to, we're going to do this. And it like... And it was really hard because for the first couple episodes, I was like, I don't even want to look at the numbers. I don't right. want to know how many people are listening or anything. We're just going to, and I completely ignored the numbers. And then people started tweeting at me about it. And I'm like, okay, some people are listening. So I guess like I have a bit of an audience. That's all I needed to know. And then, yeah, I, I started uh, getting approached by people and everything. And I was like, okay, I should probably look at the numbers and figure out how many people are listening to this yeah. now. Can you tell us? Uh, we had an episode... Uh, where we brought on a local comedian and he was a, he's also a character actor, uh, James Ross, very funny guy. And he came on as Gerhardt Strudel, uh-huh. the uh, grandson of the inventor of Pop-Tarts okay. and the, of all the flavors. <laughs> and we had, I think, 5,000 listens in less than a week. Wow. That. So, yeah, it was very nice. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that it's not for everybody like yeah. me like i'm a kind of like a middle-aged mom so maybe quick and slow isn't really aimed at me huh? no it's like well when i when we book a guest and we bring on a guest we usually kind of let the guest sort of uh dictate it we record for about an hour and a half and edit it down to about 50 minutes right. so about the first half hour is a sound check and us playing with each other and getting a feel for it and it's very improvised, very off the cuff, but I try and like see what's in the guest's wheelhouse. Yeah. So each episode is a little bit different, but we just try to find the funny. Yeah. At this yeah. point. And now to what extent are you workshopping material for your act? Uh, my act right now, I have, it's, it's very strange. My, I have uh, a professional act that I've toured around with. That's really good. That's like a, a very, I'm very happy with. Uh, but I've, I've gotten to a point in my career where doing comedy so often you get tired of saying the same thing over mm, and over again. Yeah. Uh, so I try to do most of my act off the cuff and improvised. So a lot of what I do in the in the business is called crowd work, where I'll talk to the audience, and I never pick on the audience. I don't. I'm not one of those guys. So I always try and make it fun and interesting. Because the thing is, I have a bit of a fan base here, and they come to a lot of shows. So I don't want them to see the same jokes over and right. over again. So I am constantly trying to come up with something. And I think the the podcast, me being funny off the cuff, is a good exercise for that. But generally, anything on the podcast very seldomly makes it into the act. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to what extent did the podcast and your act drive audience to the other? Uh, I think the the podcast is a great way to reach people and to give them an hour of free comedy. And we always do like, we do a monthly giveaway on the fan page too. We uh, partner with a couple local businesses and just try and give stuff. So everything on there, it's free podcast. Nobody has to pay. It's free giveaway. We always just try and do that. And we get some audience retention there. And about once a month or so, I will promote my dates. Right. I very, I, I don't like that. I have no ads in the podcast uh, they the only ads that I have are ads that uh, 
nobody's asked me to do. Like there's local bands that release an album and I'm like, this is a good album. I'm going to promote it. So I always try and give uh, away stuff. So if I'm advertising something, it's not because somebody offered me money. It's because I believe in it. And it's weird, but I very seldomly advertise for myself in my podcast. But it seems like some people figure it out. They right. they go to the podcast, they hear I'm a comedian, they give me a Google, and then they go, oh, hey, here's all his dates and a whole bunch of free tickets. So Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the other thing, too. Uh, all of my dates that I post, I give free tickets. Interesting. I always give free tickets. I always try and give too many people build an audience and they use the audience for like a political message or to like get this person on Twitter or this person on Twitter. I never want to do that. I always want to give. I never want to take. But this is your day job, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how's it going? It is, it's good. It really is. It's so weird because my, it's, it doesn't feel like a job. Nice. It really, it's, I love it so much. And starting out in comedy, like you would, I would drive from Edmonton to Regina to do 30 minutes of comedy to get paid like 20 bucks. Wow. So you can only imagine the money that I'm losing on yes. that. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's one of those things and people that are interested in comedy, there are ways to get into it and everything, but it is somewhat addictive. Hmm. It's a very, very strange thing. It is a very strange thing. I got to say from the outside looking in that you, you are setting yourself up for rejection all mm-hmm. the time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, one, th- one thing that I notice about Edmonton's comedian community is that you, are, you do seem to be very mutually supportive and have each other on, on each other's shows. How do you describe? I, I think that it's, it's like a lot of the arts. Like you, you, anybody who's been there knows the struggle. So if you're a musician or something, you know how hard it is getting people out to shows. If you're a comedian, you understand the struggle of other comedians. So we always try and help each other out when we can. We always try and promote each other's shows or big events or recordings or anything that we can do for each other. And it's just, they're your coworkers. I mean, you, you want to be nice to them. You want to be friendly. You want to have a good relationship with them. Because when you're going to a comedy show, when you're sitting in the back with the other comics watching the act, you want to get along with each other. Right. Right. So there is some camaraderie in the Edmonton comedy scene. And really is. more camaraderie than competition, do you think? Uh, there are competitions, but it's so weird to do that because comedy, like everything else, like all other arts, is sub- it's subjective. It's the beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So like, there are some people that I'm their favorite comedian, which I... I I don't understand that at all. <laughs> but then there are some people that like, I'm, I'm not their cup of tea. And that's the thing is I'm not for all act. I, like, right. I'm not for everyone, but there is somebody that you're going to like out there. So we all try and work with each other because there are some people that won't enjoy my comedy, but if they come out to a show, I'm not the only comic on the show. Right. So they're going to find something enjoyable. Right. Uh, you've done a little bit with the debutantes, I think, as well? Yes, I have. Yeah. I've done uh, some sketch comedy. Actually, uh, I guess uh, this is... Well, it's, no, it's out there. And uh, We film a talk show in Edmonton called Chew on This, where we oh. do a lot of sketch comedy and uh, film that. I do a lot of sketch writing. I do a little bit of acting, but the writing is really good because uh, when I'm on the road doing comedy... Uh, a lot of it is in airports or hotel rooms, so right. I can just sit and write, and it's the most social, antisocial thing that I can do <laughs> to be creative. So the sketch comedy allows you to sort of work with other people. I talked to Dave Ray a few weeks oh, ago, and he, a he gem. I love. Isn't him. he amazing? He's yeah, so nice. Yes, yeah, so nice. 
Um, but he was talking about how he really all, only really wanted to do a sketch comedy, but he was just one guy, so he had to start in stand-up. Yep, when he started in stand-up, his first show ever at the Yuck Yucks, I saw him, and he was just so different from yeah. everyone else. And I was like, there's <laughs> something special about this guy. Yeah. But um, yeah, with the debutantes, they have a, a live sketch comedy show that they do, and it's so good just to see comedy happening in so many different ways like there's improvised comedy shows there's rapid fire theater there's stand-up comedy there is so much and for a city this size we have because i was just in calgary yesterday we have more comedy like on stage than all of calgary than like prop we're about the same as vancouver wow i think toronto might have us beat but in like the comedy scene we have here is thriving wonder why I, I, it's because I think here we have a respect for the audience. We understand that. I think every comedian knows that they need an audience. Otherwise we're just screaming into the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you also, you mentioned that you act a little bit. So you were in a short film called Rigby Muldoon Bad Situation, which yep. had a uh, successful Kickstarter. So tell yeah. me more about that experience. Um, it was based off of a fringe play. A uh, very highly reviewed fringe play, and it's uh, written uh, and directed by Robin Slack, which is half of uh, a comedy music duo in town called Success Five Thousand. And it was so well done. It was so well written. It's funny on so many levels. And the thing is, they they offered me the role, and it's uh, an action intensive role, but it's slapstick action sci-fi comedy and i'm like this is all of the genres that i love <laughs> the most so there's all of this like jargon like chronoton disruptors and stuff like that <laughs> that i just love saying yeah. so it's very kind of star trekky in that aspect but yeah that should be coming out there's a facebook group uh facebook.com slash rugby muldoon it's got all the info there and yeah that's going to be coming out uh I think we might have some big things with Rigby Muldoon down the road, but I don't know enough to talk about it. Exciting. So we'll it look for that. Be good. The other place I notice you a lot is on Instagram. Oh. You are you're very generous with your likes. <laughs> so tell me what you get out of that social medium. I I set kind of I'm I'm it's so weird because when you work for yourself nobody understands in show business how much business there is mm. so i will sit down and force myself to write and i will set a timer and i'll write for an hour timer will go off and i'm like okay we have to have a social media presence so i will go and look on edmonton like edmonton just look and see if there's any cool people doing cool things anything that i can like support and it's weird meeting people on social media i have gotten like free hats i've i've met some cool people and had some cool things happen because of social media so there's and it it like it can really get away from you so i have to set a timer yeah, that it's like yeah. i'm gonna do half an hour of instagram before i get back to writing or get back to this or calling comedy clubs but it's something there's so many opportunities on social media there's so much opportunities on the internet i've gotten so many amazing deals and things that have happened to me because i'm on the internet and people often ask, like, what is the key for success? It's asking. It's letting people know that you're looking for it. And it's just expanding your social network. And giving before you ask, too, oh, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I really think that that is 100%. What's next for you? 
Oh, I have, I've got uh, a whole bunch of tour dates up. I'm doing the World Series of Comedy in Las Vegas this year. I'll be nice. one of the very few Canadians that gets doing that. This will be my second year going there, and I've had some success with that. I'm going to be doing uh, the Laughing Skull Comedy Festival in Georgia. I've got some tour dates lined up for Vancouver, for Calgary, Toronto, just coast to coast doing lots of that. I have a uh, deal, a development deal that we're in production on for a local uh, sort of TV thing that might be coming down the road. Uh, And yeah, I'm the head writer and host of Chew On This, which is just, it's, we've had a couple videos just go completely viral. We had 325,000 likes. Nice, nice. Something, it's massive. And uh, I, it's, for me, it's just doing as much as I can because if I write a joke and it doesn't work as a joke, maybe it works as a sketch, maybe it works as a blog, maybe it works as a something. Mm-hmm. So it's just creating all of the time, trying to find the funny and then trying, after I find the funny, trying to find where it works. Right. <laughs> and it's it's so weird because I've had so many jobs. I've I've been in an, in the trades for like most of my adult life and then to just not have a job and to work for myself I am the hardest boss I have ever had. Yeah. I am, like like I said, there's so much regiment. There's so much, I have to wake up at this time. Otherwise, the day is wasted. I have to phone comedy clubs. A phone call a day makes such a difference. Wow. Just phoning and asking. There's, I just think that there's so much to learn about hustle and discipline from comedians because there's no way you can make it without <sighs> working super hard, right? No, they're in... I, I think that's true with all arts, mm-hmm. with like any painting, any performing, anything. And a lot of people will book a manager or an agent or anything like that. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like that. Yeah. You like to have the control. You're, you're an yeah. entrepreneur, right? I am. And it's, yeah. it's a business and anybody who thinks that it's not, they, they really need to look at it differently because as soon as I did, com- I started doing comedy, I got off stage and I was like, I love this. And I, I mean, I had performed on stage. I had done improv. I had acted. I had, was in a band. I had done lots of other things, but I never had that like immediate, like, uh, this is what I want to do. Right. Like, uh, Till now. yeah. So comedy really was just the best thing to happen to me excellent well we'll take a break there and when we come back we'll hear about the local podcasts or blogs that nick recommends this episode of seen and heard in edmonton is brought to you by taproot edmonton a source of curiosity driven stories about the city cultivated by the community I'm Stephen Chapansky, co-founder of Castria, which produces this very podcast. And I'm talking today with Karen Unland, who you just heard on the Seen and Heard in Edmonton podcast. And you're also the co-founder of Taproot. I am. Um, Taproot just published its fourth story. It's called A Family Longs for Vision Zero to Live Up to Its Promise. What is it about? So that is a story that's actually a follow on our third story. So I'll start there. Our third story was how to stop discounting pedestrian deaths. And it was about how we see people, we see the deaths of people in the street, of people who are walking differently than we see other homicides. And that has uh, a lot of, um, 
consequences when it comes to how we make decisions and how we design our roads and all kinds of things. So we explored that in the third story and we got a lot of reaction to that and we got a lot of uh, other threads that emerged from that story that we thought we should tie up and explore some more. Mm-hmm. Where can you? Where can people read it? So if they go to taprootedmonton.ca, they'll find that story and our three other ones as well. Do you have to be a Taproot member to read the story? You do not. We want everybody to read our stories because we think they're really important for that. Uh, they're, they're not going to make a difference if we put them behind a paywall and make people pay to see them. So uh, everyone can read a Taproot story and everyone can share them. But if I am a member, what do I get? So if you're a member, you get access to something we call the Story Garden, which is the place where you can uh, tell us what you're curious about. And that's what we mean by curiosity-driven stories stories. So Taproot members get to plant the seed of a story in the garden by asking a how or why question about Edmonton. Our other members see your question and they register their curiosity about that. And when we see that a story is getting traction, that there's a lot of curiosity about that in our community, then we assign it to a writer. Where do I sign up? You sign up at taprootedmonton.ca. Thanks very much. Uh, Read the latest story and become a Taproot member to put more such stories into the world at taprootedmonton.ca. All right, we're back. So, Nick, what local stuff do you like to recommend? There, it... Edmonton is such a great city. It is a wonderful city. I've been all over the place, and there are some cities that are incredible, some that are terrible. Edmonton has so many cool people doing so many cool things. It is a city built off of entrepreneurial spirits, and I love it. There are, like, for podcasts, I love the movie jerks. Mm -hmm. They're really good. They let me know about a lot of stuff that I've missed in the past and a lot of cool things that I get to go back and watch. And they have a really interesting take on it, too. They usually bring on a guest that, and they talk about a movie that they had seen uh, way back and they thought they loved, and then they rewatch it and realize how terrible it is. So it, it really helps me understand like what movies survived the test of time and everything. And so I really like listening to that. Also, Dave Ray does The Devil's Advocate, which is just a really good podcast. And it really, it, it highlights Dave's ability to debate. Yes. Because he, the, the guest comes on and they pick a topic and then Dave has to debate against it. So it is, it's a really, and sometimes it's very hilarious. Yes. I yeah. really, I really like it. Uh, but yeah, Edmonton being such an entrepreneurial place, there's a, a, a business that just opened up called Big Rig Distilleries. And they were, it's just a guy who was a tattoo artist and he was making gin in his garage. And he was like, I think I'm pretty good at this. And he (laughs) entered all of his like uh, spirits in these contests and started winning things. And he was like, oh, okay. And he legitimized it and turned it into a business. Nice. And I'm, I'm always happy when somebody does that, when they find their passion and they can make it their job. Yeah. 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 that's, That's your story too. Basically, it, <laughs> it took me a long time to get there, yeah. though. But and then uh, there's a local apparel company, Flat Out Apparel. Uh-huh. They make uh, hats and t-shirts and lots of stuff for working out. And they were like, they're really nice to me. They just they I met them on social media, and he said, "Hey, man, your hat looks a little beat up. Maybe you should get a new one." And I was like, "Wow, this is a nice sell." And he went and like he gave before he asked, sort mm-hmm. of thing. And I went and I wore one of his hats and on a commercial I did for Cineplex and yeah, he's just treated me like royalty ever since then. (laughs) So 
it's it's so strange there is so many wonderful things so many little restaurants uh the tasty toms on whites is just incredible a high level diner there there is so much local talent here Mm -hmm. in all aspects of it Mm -hmm. and i almost feel like there needs to be some sort of directory for it (laughs) because i try not to support like big market i try not to shop at walmart i try not to like go for that sort of stuff i always try and find cool people and support them yeah excellent so my last question for you is what lessons has your podcast taught you that others could benefit from um oh man there are some hard lessons that you (laughs) learn uh, when you say something and put it on the internet, it will be there forever. Yes. It will be there forever, guys. Uh, and I think I get a little bit more leeway than a lot of people because I am a comedian and they yeah. understand it's a joke, but uh, that's that's one thing. And I've had some guests on that get political and that kind of affiliates with me, which is weird because I'm not a very political person. Right. But I guess that can be a good or a bad thing. So I think it's one of those things when you make a podcast, when you book people, when you put them on, you have to be aware of the audience that they bring yeah, and how that can work with your audience. Because, yeah, sometimes that can be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, sage advice to end on. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Hey, no problem. You can subscribe to the Quick and Slow Comedy Show on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And Quick is Q-U-I-K. You can also find the show at quickandslow.com. And they're on Facebook and Twitter at Quick and Slow. And you can find Nick himself on Twitter and Instagram at Nick McQuick. And also on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Nick McQuick, Q-U-I-K. Uh, I post all of my comedy dates and I give free tickets. Excellent. So, so that you are you already guys, benefiting yeah. from listening to this podcast because you yeah. just got some free shows to go yeah. to. <laughs> you, can, you can check out my podcast. I give away free board games most of the time and free, like just, I, I give so much. <laughs> I'm a giver. <laughs> and Chew On This is on YouTube? Uh, Chew On This is on Facebook, I think. Okay. You can find little bits of it on local television here and there, but... All of the stuff is on uh, just facebook.com slash you on this. Perfect. All of this um, came about because of a conversation with the debutantes. So we'll plug them too. That's the debutantes.ca. Live sketch comedy every second Wednesday. Every second Wednesday and on Wednesday at the Sewing Factory. And everything we mentioned plus everything we can think of after is going to be in the show notes at seenandheardyeg.com. Subscribe to my newsletter at seenandheardyeg.com for complete coverage of Edmonton's blogs and podcasts. And thanks for listening. (laughs) 